All right, guys. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Urban Connect Podcast. I'm excited for today's episode. As always, um, been really loving the the interviews that we've been doing, the leaders we've been bringing in on this. And hey, if you are listening for the first time, uh, we are here to encourage you. We're here to encourage you as a leader, as an individual to go out into your community and make a difference. We want to challenge you that, man, the kingdom of God needs to be built wherever you are, whether it's at your job, whether it's at the local uh, park on the basketball court, wherever it may be, you need to be actively building the kingdom of God. And so we're here to encourage you um, in that. And I'm here with Stephen Frankie, my co-host, a uh, great friend, uh, director of Unite Phoenix, and um, man that is involved in many things across our city here in the downtown Phoenix area and beyond. And so Stephen, I'm excited to be here with you today. Um, you excited for today's podcast? Oh, of course. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, hey, man, why don't you take a few minutes, introduce uh, our guest today, and we'll get jump and jump right into uh, today's content. Yeah, today's going to be fun. Uh, we're with Mr. Jeff Blake. Uh, he's a superintendent of Phoenix Christian Prep and um, a man that I admire. My kids go there. They, uh, My youngest two, both Skylar and Madden, attend there. Uh, Madden came up to me after school today and said, Mr. Blake was in, and he gave me a hug. That's a pretty big deal. So um, I know when I give him a hug, it's not a big deal. So just <laughs> thankful for you. Uh, thankful for your passion and your heart. I'm so excited uh, to get into it right off the bat. Um, Phoenix Christian Prep, their story, uh, especially the differences that we see with the school from several years back to where it is today. But I think before all of that, let's hear about you, Jeff. Let's hear about you, your family, um, what you like to do on the weekends, anything. Well, I appreciate that. And I admire you both. And I'm great, uh, grateful to be here. Listen, um, I can't help but think, what do I do on the weekends? So I started to question myself, <laughs> what do I do on the weekends? Lisa and I have a rule in our house on Saturday, and we don't talk about school. And so we work really hard, not because she works there as our director of alumni relations. Obviously, I work there. Our four kids are there. So it's hard any given night around the dinner table. Hey, what happened at school today? It's like you almost can't escape work a little bit. So we have a discipline that on Saturdays we don't talk about work. So that's one of the things on Saturday that we don't do. But as I mentioned, my beautiful wife, Lisa, she's the class of 1994 from Phoenix Christian at the time, Phoenix Christian High School. And Lisa and I met on a blind date. I was teaching at Phoenix Christian, and um, I was uh, desperately in need of something. Uh, the kids were going home and saying, there's this guy at school that just needs to get married. And so they started talking about the, the Allison family. Shout out to, to the Allison family. Started uh, mentioning at the dinner table one night, and uh, Marie went, uh, one of the kids' sisters, went with my wife to Phoenix Christian. when she, They were both students there and said, Hey, I think you should meet this guy. They set us up on a blind date. Lisa and I went on a blind date. Um, and then I got so focused on work, I didn't call her for three months, and uh -oh. which was especially awkward because her mother worked in our front office as a superintendent's assistant. And so I'd have to go in the front office every day and desperately try hard in a little tiny room not to make eye contact with her. Um, but eventually, uh, my senses came to me. I ended up calling Lisa. Um, we went on, a, on another date, which happened to be, I think, Junior Senior Banquet, a.k.a. prom, if oh, you're yeah. from the Christian school community. Yeah, man, we had one. <laughs> <laughs> I learned early in my career you cannot call it prom because that's a reference to promenade, which was a dance, and dancing was sinful. Right. <laughs> so um, Lisa and I went to Junior Senior Banquet, and then coming up this Christmas, um, December 29th of 2021, Lisa and I will be married 20 years. And we have four beautiful children who happen to be fourth generation Phoenix Christian Cougars. And our family's history goes back, um, you know, as I mentioned, four generations ago. And so uh, that's a little bit of our family. We've got a freshman, a seventh grader, a fourth grader, and a third grader. And life is busy. So we've moved to Central Phoenix um, as the kids are in and out of sports. But oh, that's man. a little bit about my family. Yeah. That's great. I never thought I'd ever meet somebody else who went to a junior senior banquet other than the kids that went to my school. So Stephen has no idea what a junior senior banquet is. Um, I think we should do it this weekend. We should do one. <laughs> Let's do it. Kids nowadays would look at us and be like, 
what? Yeah. yeah, no. Well, see, so what happened at the school is that um, we used to, obviously it used to, be, what would happen is the parents would come in and then host a dance after the school was done. So as a school official, I would have to leave the property. Parents would come in and host this dance, but it typically would attract parents who are a little bit more permitting than some of the other parents who would want to host this dance. And it, things got a little wild and woolly. So we went back to the administration and said, listen, I think if you let professional educators run the dance, it's going to turn out a lot better. Uh, and so... Hence, and then it started off for them for one dance a year, and now the kids are allowed to have three dances All right. a year at, at the cutting edge of Phoenix Christian Preparatory <laughs> School. <laughs> uh, that's great, man. Caleb, are you rethinking your kids going to the uh, school yeah, now at this I point? Mean, or I don't know how you feel. <laughs> if, you're, if you're out there listening today, uh, my family actually just did a walkthrough of Phoenix Christian uh, Prep Academy today, and... Um, beautiful campus, but I'm going to have to rethink this now that they allow three dances a year. So well, no, well, jokes, me, jokes, jokes. So so prom is coming up and the kids are going to host it at Redemption Alhambra. So we're going to have prom at okay, a church. At the church. <laughs> that, there, hey, there we go. A reformed church. That'll be good. Oh man, that'll be great. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. All right, so let's get into it. Um, Caleb and I, this is several months back, we had the pleasure of being able to attend one of your board meetings. Um, we just came in to talk a little bit about Aim Right Ministries and Unite Phoenix and also what we're seeing downtown in Phoenix, uh, just the climate here. Uh, but I think something that just, it just boggles my mind. And I, I crushed on you guys. I was just uh, blown away by your mission and what you're doing was just to hear the roots and what Phoenix Christian was even 25 years ago and where it is today. So tell our listeners about that. Just, just the transformation that's happened over the last several decades. Sure. Well, Phoenix Christian can trace its history all the way back to Kansas uh, in 1902. And it was a family uh, that was living there. It was just a couple families in a, in a home that were running a Christian school. And fast forward about to 1912, there was a publication that came out in some agricultural journal that the family was reading of this really amazing climate in the, in the desert southwest in this little town called Peoria at the time. And so um, the promise of, of fruit on the trees all year long lured the family and they actually moved to 75th Avenue in Thunderbird. So if you're driving through there and you're on a map, a digital map on your phone, it'll actually say Weedville. And that's named after the Weed family who founded in that area, the founders of Phoenix Christian. And it's now there's a Native American mission being run there on the corner of 75th and Thunderbird. And so um, fast forward from there about to 1949, the school was growing. They wanted to move the school downtown. They started in the old Capitol Church um, in the late early 1940s. And then in 1949, they put down a bid on two pieces of property. One was at 18th, uh, the founders of the school, 18th Avenue and Indian School. And then another a little, a little place at 33rd Avenue and Camelback. But some Southern Baptists came along and beat us to it. And Grand Canyon started in 1949. Phoenix Christian started in 1949. And that's actually in a meeting, uh, I think last week or the week before last, with President Mueller and was able to share that story with him. He hadn't heard that. Um, but... The rest is history, and so the school has been there since 1949. Started as a um, as a high school, and then emerged eventually over the years in the early late 1990s, early 2000s. We added in a middle school, then an and then we took over an elementary school, and now today, <clears throat> fast forward to 2021, we're an infant all the way through 12th grade. We're super excited. The infant um, in preschool program last year, this time we're sitting at about between 26 and 30 students. Today we're sitting at 76. Uh, in our preschool, and that's a program that's growing as well. So school started off um, as, a, as a covenant school. And so, Caleb, I know you sort of, you know kind of how that works. You had to have a statement of faith. About 15 years ago, we realized that we were serving the international population well. We, have a, we had about 30 students coming from all over the world to Phoenix Christian, predominantly from um, Korea and predominantly from China. They would refer to um, the Christian faith as um, mystic or mysticism or your myth, and we realized we had a niche for communicating the gospel to kids coming from international communities. And so we determined from that uh, to broaden the school's approach and become, and become missionally open and available to the entire community. Now, that being said, at the same time, the state of Arizona uh, created 
the, the tuition tax credit program. Mm -hmm. And basically what that allows is for a corporation, for an individual to redirect their tax liability to go to a scholarship organization, which then a, a family can apply to and then have a large portion, if not all of their funding for a private Christian school covered. So you take a missional approach, you take the state of Arizona tuition tax credit system, it flipped Christian education on its head, especially at Phoenix Christian. And so you take a school that was predominantly pretty monolithic in terms of they were all Christian, a lot of heavy emphasis with Dutch Reformed tradition, um, generally a pretty lily white school coming from the central corridor, or we were also pulling from a lot of families out in the dairy, Christian families that were running dairies out in Buckeye, they were coming in. Bring all those worlds together into this moment when the world flipped. Fast forward to today, we're a school that claims no majority. And when I say that, I mean certainly a racially no majority, but I also mean socioeconomic no majority. There's kids getting dropped off in, you know, find, you know, nice cars and, and driving nice cars, but there's also kids getting dropped off in the city bus. And there's, um, we partner with inner city organizations that bus their kids into our school. And so you bring all these worlds together, especially in the backdrop of what's going on culturally as we speak with, with um, racial reconciliation and learning to live together and respect one another under the umbrella of the kingdom of God. That's part of the organic curriculum of what happens every day at school. Not always the cleanest, Sometimes there's some messiness. These are young people, heaven's adults. We, we, we make mistakes. But you bring all these worlds together, infant all the way through 12th grade and this beautiful tapestry at Phoenix Christian. We really believe there's not many other, other schools like it um, pursuing what we pursue every day. All of it to bring honor and glory to God and introduce the kingdom to kids who would never have had the chance to be in a private, private Christian school. Yeah, we, we have a really close friend, uh, both Caleb and I, um, that it just took on a principalship, a principal of a, one of the District 1 elementary schools here in downtown Phoenix. And it's been a couple of times that I've sat down with him and told him the Phoenix Christian story because there's something about it. There's this negative stigma, right, that's associated with private education. It's like, oh, that's for rich kids. And uh, I, I've explained it to him. And it's amazing just seeing the the transformation even you can see in his eyes where it's like, Oh, really? I mean, it's a shock. I mean, it truly is. You're right. I mean, the majority of schools uh, that have that private education, uh, especially if it's religious, you know, it's a Christian or Catholic private education. They just they don't follow that. They're not very missional. Uh, it's very driven on revenue that comes in and the families that are producing some of that revenue, of course. And so I love it. I think it's amazing. And I, for me, it's always how do we get on a loudspeaker and tell more people about this? Because it's 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 not the norm. No, so let me let me celebrate a yeah. couple a couple moments. One would be last year. It was in mid mid March when suddenly the world began to change, and um, within a week's time, we gathered. And made, you know, obviously, we knew we couldn't run school as we'd normally run it forever, right? So we shift everything. Everybody becomes suddenly an expert in Zoom, or at least we pretend that we can get the, get the whole thing figured out. Um, Within a week and a half time, we ran a drive-through at our school, and through one of God's miracles, we ended up with a hundred and I think it was a hundred and seventy-eight. Somehow, a donor stepped up and knew that we needed it and gave us a hundred and seventy-eight uh, Microsoft um, tablets. I forget what they call those. Um, in addition, we had Chromebooks, and we had kids elementary all the way through high school in this drive-through line, and we were handing out their technology. We were handing out packets for the little guys and. One of the things that was shocking to me was these kids and their parents are driving through the pickup line to pick up all their curriculum, and we had assembled an army, and we're handing it out, and these kids are driving through in tears saying, we never thought we would miss school. And I think you sort of forget the power of the, com of the community of being together, being together in a Christian environment. Yes, it's not perfect. Yes, these are kids. They bring struggles sometimes, but how much these kids valued being together. It was particularly a very challenging time for us. It was about a week after after that that we did lose um, a student. The family's very open about it. The student was um, one of our autistic students did take his life, mm -hmm. um, and it was just a powerful, sacred reminder of the, of the of the sacredness of being together on in an on campus environment. And so we navigated that. We even did a drive in um, a memorial service uh, for Isaac. 
fast forward um, to the end of the year. Uh, what are we going to do to give these kids a sacred opportunity to graduate and, and to let them walk across the stage, right? So um, really amazing. Sent one text to Noe Garcia, the pastor at North Phoenix Baptist Church. Within 15 seconds, he responds back, whatever you need. So we did a drive-in graduation ceremony, reached out to Bethany Bible Church. They have a radio transmitter. We've got big, gigantic movie screens up, and wow. these kids are walking across the stage in the parking lot of North Phoenix. Cutting-edge 1960s radio technology became the latest thing. <laughs> we piped it into the cars. We, we, we beamed it on Facebook. For 50 kids that graduated, we had 2,500 people watch that graduation ceremony. Mm. Um, of those 50 kids, unlike 50, of those 50 students, half of them were first-generation college students. Those 50 kids earned $3.7 million in, in scholarship. Wow. They graduated with an average of 24 dual enrollment transfer credit hours. So you get them an opportunity to get into college. You get them into their second year of college. It's not costing them a penny. You're helping connect them financially. It's, it's, a, it's not an opportunity for us to really to pat the school on the back. It is a, it is a reflection of the intentionality of teachers that love the students, mm-hmm. children that see an opportunity, and they see vision, and it's driven by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what happened in that graduation ceremony that night was really a worship ceremony of God changing lives in the parking lot of North Phoenix Baptist Church. <laughs> wow, that's cool. That's good. Hmm. You, talk, you talked about you've been... I've heard you said the word several times, community and and bringing people together and how we thrive in that environment. And um, today on on our tour, it was was evident that there's this community in, on your campus on on both sides of it, right? The high school, middle school, the the elementary side, and 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 I see you walking the halls, you know, young people, young men, young women acknowledging you and you calling them by name and and how much value that gives a young person and and what that does to them to say well here's a guy that shows up to work suit and tie every day he's got his office in the in the main part of the of the campus but but he walks these halls he knows me by name he he takes time to say hi give a fist bump you know and and acknowledge them and what that does to a kid's just character you know and and what that does to to their kind of the morale of them it was so encouraging to see that and to see that take place on there and um you know i think a lot of times when people think of private christian education you mentioned this a few seconds ago Stephen, but it's like there's this idea that it's you know a certain group of people only they're allowed and and like you said you know the school that i went to you had to agree with a, a statement of faith. You had to go to a church. Your whole family had to be connected to the church, if I remember right, and and different things. And but you guys have opened these doors, and you're building this community where young people come on the campus and they're experiencing God's love through you. They're experiencing it through the st- the teachers and the staff. And and maybe maybe you've got. I'm sure you've got plenty of stories but could you share with with our listeners today like maybe just one story where where a young person that has come onto that campus that isn't walking with Jesus or their family isn't walking with Jesus but now is because of the intentionality of you the staff yeah. and those that are there oh yeah you bet there was um I'll focus a story on one of our international students uh, she was from China and I remember sitting in the pews. We had orchestrated every moment of the graduation ceremony and fine-tuned it. And it was, I had walked through that ceremony a thousand times. And she got up um, on the stage. She was our um, top graduating international student preparing to go home, I think, in a couple of days to China. And she stood in front of that congregation and drifted from her notes for a minute. And she said, let me, let me tell you something. She said, when I first came to Phoenix Christian, I'd never heard of Jesus Christ. And she says, she says, in a, in a couple of days, I'm going to go home and I'm going to tell my family about the most important person in my life. <laughs> and, and I'll never forget that. But let me, let me kind of tell you a little bit of a backstory. Um, I, in my career, I, I felt I was a Clinton intern, Clinton administration in D.C., and I thought that that was going to be my push in life and where I was going. And what I didn't know is when I went to Washington, D.C., the Lord was going to connect me with an underground networking of Christians within the district. And 
we would they through this networking of Christians in Washington D.C. They have relationships of various internships, which is how I found mine. That we would do our internship in the morning. In the afternoons, we would come home and we would study either domestic policy or foreign policy. At that same time, leading up to my time in D.C., there was a um, there was a revolution unfolding in Nigeria, in which the Muslims were pursuing the Christians. Um, and there was a gentleman named Larry that was in line to be the next vice president of Nigeria, and his life was being threatened, his wife was being threatened, and the fellowship within Washington, D.C. determined to smuggle him home, or smuggle him back to the United States. Mm -hmm. And he was heavily involved in foreign policy. They smuggled him out. He became our professor and spoke to us about implementing biblical foreign policy, shalom, into biblical foreign policy and what that would look like as policymakers and policy shapers. What happened was, is I certainly respected and admired everything he was teaching, and his classes would go on for a couple hours late into the night, and then he would and he would invite us, if we wanted to come have dinner with him at his home, we would go and sit in his, at, his, at his home. They, they rented him a little apartment on Capitol Hill there. And so I would go to his home, listen to him for another couple hours, come home, do my study, and then sometimes get up at 3, 4 in the morning, try to get more done, and then go off to work. I was just, this, this fellow just so inspired me. Fast forward, um, I studied for a little bit overseas in England, and while I was there, um, learned that Larry, his wife, had become homesick, and he went home to go get her, and when he stepped off the plane, that he was martyred. Wow. And I had spent, Larry, for one of those people in my life, he was the first person I really saw who the Spirit of God, I could see it right at Pentecost, pour right from Pentecost into his heart. This morning for my devotions, I was leading, reading about Jesus speaking about the living water, and I was thinking about Larry. And I could see the living water pouring out of him. So for me, that was one of the things we believe in at Phoenix Christian is this concept of living curriculum. Uh, the student may come to Phoenix Christian having never read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, but they're going to see it in the way that we live our lives as followers of Christ. Larry, to me, was the first best example to me of living curriculum. Wow. Of just this vibrant, passionate, supernatural vessel of the Holy Spirit that you very humble. And so for me to greet the kids by name, that's just something I learned from Larry. He mm -hmm. knew my name and that meant something to me. And that's, for me, it's a way to bring honor to Larry every day. Um, and if in turn, you know, for the boys, I, I say, hey, handsome, or hey, good looking, or you look, I try to affirm them. Mm -hmm. um, the girls, uh, to affirm them, encourage them. It's good to see you. Yeah. You know, to affirm kids, he did that for me as a young person, and those words were so powerful. That's just a way for me to carry that on and to carry out Larry's legacy. And mm. he does, the family doesn't even know it, but there's a little school in the heart of Phoenix, Arizona, living in his wake. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's so cool. That's, I almost brought me to tears. Like, there's, there's a trickle. There is. <laughs> there really is. I'm blown away. I mean, just how... I mean, you, you, you touched a little bit on it. You go from DC to Phoenix, Arizona, superintendent of a public or a private Christian school. And, and you take and, and, and made <clears throat> some pretty bold moves, right? Um, when, when we were praying earlier, I just had this, this idea of this thought just kind of flashed through was just boldness, right? For, for you to be a part of the decisions that, that Phoenix Christian prep is making is bold to take this school that is a private Christian school and turn it into something that's missional, which is exactly what the church is supposed to be about. That's exactly what we as believers are supposed to be about. But there's this idea for those that help to maybe fund or help to move that school in the, the direction they see fit when, when they think, well, my kids are going to go to school with kids from the neighborhood and my kids are going to be intermingled with, with these other kids. What is that going to do to my kids? And, and it's a pretty bold move as administration to take that step. Um, but I, I referenced it earlier today. I, I remember hearing one of your board members share uh, an experience where kind of God showed him this vision of moving the school and in, into this direction. And so, um, I don't know what questions you have, Stephen, but um, if I could just throw this one out, I'm, I'm sure there's been some pushback and I'm sure there's been people that have come to you and knocked on your door or called you and said, hey, this is not right. 
how how have you handled that and how have you helped maybe walk them through that i'm sure some have seen the vision and jumped on board and i'm sure some have said no we don't want anything to do with this see you later yeah it's tough that's a that's a really good question and 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 difficult to answer um it happens regularly um you know you go to the prayer of Christ in the garden prior to his execution. And one of the things he says in this really private conversation we're giving privy to with his, with his father is the, is the kingdom will grow when they see the unity of the church. And we all work in church, parachurch, ministry, and unity is one of the hardest things. Hmm. And not everyone shares and you trust and one of the one of the things i say to myself as i wake up in the morning and i know all that's ahead of me and i try not to get anxious and i say and my prayer to the lord is lord help help us to walk on water today and you okay. you're in difficult circumstances because one of the things that happens in a school environment is, especially in a christian school in any school environment anybody that works in a school is going to know exactly what i'm talking about you bring people's children into the equation and there is no more bigger passion mm -hmm. than our kids mm -hmm. and making sure our kids are safe and okay and they're thriving then you add on top of that uh, the christian element and people come to the scriptures and come to ministry with different sometimes utopian expectations and ideals then you add kids then you add teachers who hold kids to standards and kids, by nature, sometimes push back on standards. And you bring all these coaches to, you bring all these worlds together, and you just got a bunch of dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> and so you trust in the Lord. See, I, most times I'll back up, Lord, I don't see an easy path through this. We're going we, we're gonna to need you even, you know, we always need you, but <laughs> we need you. And you, you listen to people and why they're concerned, and you acknowledge their concern. Mm-hmm. And you try to in, inspire them on the broader vision. And if it works, that's great. If it doesn't and it's not a good fit, people people do move on. It breaks my heart. But you you get a sense of the direction the Lord's calling you and he wants you to do. It is bold. And, and one of the things that's challenging, too, as much as I hate to admit it, it's a business. Mm -hmm. I have payroll yeah. to meet. And I've got air conditioners to fix and buildings to take care of. And... And you you work and you strive, but again, that's that walking on water. You trust in the moving of the Holy Spirit, obedience to Him. The Lord is going to provide, and that people—that's the beautiful thing that I have a front door, a front row seat to every day—is people in the heart of beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, that are committed to the urban core of our city. Yeah, and it's it's not perfect. It's messy, and everybody, no matter what corner of the city you live in, everybody needs Christ. But there is a unique calling in the heart of the city for urban renewal and to usher in the kingdom of God here now. Yeah, yeah, so good. I'm really glad you went along this line of dependency and trust in God. And I, it's definitely something I, again, I'm, I'm just thinking bigger picture here where most of the schools, especially if you go university level, you think of the Loyola's the Marquette's even Harvard, Yale, these schools that again, premium education grounded in Christian values, uh, for sure. But you, you look at it and they're continuing on that path and, and well-funded and then you have, again, it's so uncommon, but a school like Phoenix Christian that is that is probably, again, not going down the easy path, which is the person who can just sit down at a table and write a check and say, yep, it's covered. Uh, you're looking at, I know for you as a superintendent, you think that job is just educator, administrator, but it's also salesman, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Getting out there, mm -hmm. finding funding options, things like that. But isn't there something beautiful about the dependency on God where it's not, hey, everything is set for the next 10 years because of X, Y, Z donor support. Like this year, once again, we got to band together and pray and trust that God's going to provide every single year. And, and Jeff, isn't that where God wants us to be, you know, to be dependent on him, to trust him as Abba Father rather than something where it's, again, we're on easy street or, or something like that. So... I, I'm I'm blown away by it. It's not something that's new to me. I know what the mm -hmm. mission is of Phoenix Christian, but 
I, when I was hearing you guys talk, I was thinking also, this is still a premium education. Like my kids yeah. are going to school. They're learning a ton. My third grader is doing long division that I'm having to like scratch my head and go, <laughs> how, how do I do that again? Like just the process. But it, it's, I mean, it's a great education. Uh, it's not like that suffered uh, in the midst of this mission that God has you on. Yeah, we it's it is a tension. You know, we we very much. I'll just be really transparent here. We very much celebrate the diversity of the school, and believe that to be a powerful um, asset of the school. But what I am careful of when I'm speaking in public is that I I emphasize more the academic. Mm-hmm. The athletics. Um, yeah. We we still have kids that win state championships and kids that go into state playoffs. I mean, I I think all three sports in the high school right now, four, are going to state. Um, that's a big deal for us, and yeah. the kids compete. And one of the things I'm very proud of about the school, especially I'm an educator, I'm a history major. Um, we, I'll just say, a lot of other schools are cutting back on their advanced placement programs. We're pushing forward, and I believe in the AP programs. I believe in dual enrollment. I believe in the honors program. One of the things that's going to happen here in a couple of weeks is um, the kids are going to pre- present their honors thesis. So when a student graduates from Finnish Christian as a senior, if they want to graduate with honors, they have to do an honors thesis and presentation. And so, for example, one of the young ladies, um, uh, she did. She was concerned about girls and body image, and so she brought in a speaker, created a big uh, event, and brought in young ladies and created a, an environment in which there was a positive voice speaking into young ladies and their bodies. And she made this whole program and as an encapsulation, we call it their capstone, of their, of their studies. She presents it, and then she's going to present her findings to members of the administration and members of the faculty, and then be awarded her honors thesis. And so she'll graduate at graduation with... Um, with, you know, with ribbons identifying what concentration. So students can focus on humanities. Students can focus on spiritual and leadership formation. Students can focus on um, STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. And students can, did I mention fine arts? Which one am I forgetting here? Um, there's four, but our kids can focus on those. So yeah, that's, I appreciate you bringing that up. That's huge. Yeah. All against the backdrop of kids learning to live together. If I could comment too on one thing, as, we've, as we are on this side of COVID, one of the things I've discovered is COVID gave an excuse for students that struggle socially to retreat back to their bedrooms and their, and their laptops and, and do school and sort of in a separated. There is a, and it's not for everybody, but there is a healthy, uncomfortable push to learn to live together in community. Community is expensive. Mm-hmm. And so, on top of all of the academic pursuit and honors programs, and listen, we have a special education program too that's, that we're really proud of, pushing the kids socially to learn to live together and do life together, pushing them out of their comfort zone is very important and needed, you know? So yeah, so thank you for that. I appreciate yeah. that. It's good. I'm wor- I worry because I could easily start rambling here, so don't let me. Uh, I could go on for hours. I have like a list of questions, and we're not even close <laughs> where we could go. So, um, I I don't want to switch gears because I want to continue on in this topic, but uh, without putting you up on a pedestal, Jeff, there's definitely something where you have this joy. It's around campus; you can see it. Um, Again, it's uncommon with just principals that I know, you know, administrators. It's just tough because the weight that you carry, the burden is heavy for sure. Um, but other than than talking about the one that was born in a manger, like who who do you mm. look at that really just inspires you? Um, where where does that joy even come from? That's a that's a good question. I think, and I appreciate that. I do, you know, I mentioned Larry without question. Um, when when I was when I was studying in DC, um, there was a couple of Jerry, um, Jerry Herbert who was on track to become a member of the United States Congress. Set aside his career to really disciple us. Steve Garber, same deal. Um, those guys were those guys really challenged me. Um, they pulled me aside into their office and I was, I was, you know, 
I was among a, a group of kids. They're showing up in Armani suits and they're going to these really highfalutin internships all over the district, working for Supreme Court justices and et cetera. Um, but they pulled me aside one day and said, listen, we, you know, you're good at getting good grades, but we kind of feel like you're just going through the hoops. You know what to do to get a good grade. Um, we want to challenge you to start teaching in a neighborhood ministry, much like the neighborhood we're in right now. And so right on Capitol Hill, I started going down to a Christian learning center, started teaching um, a little fifth grader math and fell in love with, um, with teaching, came home, changed things around. So I think it was just people that had the courage to speak truth into my life and say something I didn't want to hear because I thought that's where the Lord was taking me. I'll tell another quick story. Um, so, <laughs> so I get this job at Phoenix Christian. I go, I'd never heard about the school. I bring the contract. I go down, never heard about it. Ten days after I graduate, bring the contract home down to my parents. I'm still living at home. And I slide the contract across the table to my dad. And my parents have paid for me to go anywhere in the world I've wanted to study. Anywhere. Paid for all of it. And I slide the contract across my dad. And my dad looks at me and he goes, uh, no. No, 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 no. No, no. And I said, dad, and he, goes, he goes, son, you know how hard you studied and all the, you know. And, and he didn't see it at first. And I said, dad, I got a feeling. And these people were wanting to take a chance on me. I fell in love with this idea of bridging education school, Christianity, in the heart of the city. And at that time, we were serving generally middle and upper class families, and the Lord was changing it. Come fast forward to today, my parents are faithful supporters and patrons of Phoenix Christian and believe in the ministry and vision. I think it's just people who've invested in me and saw something I didn't see in myself. So I start working at Phoenix Christian. I, so I'm the assistant track coach, which basically means I'm in charge of taking the granite and raking the granite before track meets on the track <laughs> and then chalking it. You know, all those different lanes. I'm the chalking guy. Yeah, it sounds like fun. It was, it was a blast. <laughs> and I was um, driving the head track coach's kids home one night. We had gotten back from a meet in Ajo, <laughs> which meant we got back to school about 2, 3 in the morning. Oof. And we're driving, I'm dri he doesn't, you know, he, he's Christian education, he didn't have a car. Yeah. And so I'm driving him home. And um, we're at I-17 in Camelback on the on-ramp, and I blow a, I blow the meter stop sign. It's 2 or 3 in the morning, there's nobody out there. And I just, we, pull up, <laughs> we pull up to his parking uh, carport, and his kids pile out of the car, and he says, can I talk to you a moment? And I said, sure. And he says, my kids really look up to you, and they look at everything you do. And you blew that stop sign, and they'll remember that. I think to realize that we are a living curriculum, people are watching us, we're salt and light, we're not perfect. I wish I could go back um, and talk to the young Mr. Blake in my 20s that was a hot-headed jerk, too driven, um, and apologize to all those kids I taught. It's the... It's the grind of, I'm coming up on 25 years now with the school of the Lord refining me through all my mistakes and realizing that at the end of the day, kids and adults just want to feel wanted and they want to feel loved and feel like they've, they've been given purpose. And then just to, to pass on what I think the Holy Spirit's whispering in our ear and just to be that vessel. I mean, it's, I think it's really simple. It's just getting past our insecurities and it's not about us and just affirm other people. But I think people that have smacked me around a little bit are probably the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> uh, that's good. That's good. Go ahead, man. Shoot, shoot. You want another one? All right, I got another one here. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm trying to get my thoughts together on this uh, because I, I feel like the, a lot of what you're talking about also translates to the church. And... In this day and era, a lot of times, especially if you're church planning, it would be similar to what Chick-fil-A would do. You know, if they're looking for a location, you know, okay, we're going to plant here because this is going to be maximum, you know, opportunity for us, whether it's human capital, you know, people coming in or, or just to be able to build, in a sense, that kingdom, you know, or the church or, or whatever it is. And so um, I I know that there's pastor friends of ours that are listening to this. What can you do to just encourage them that going down this path that is more missional, that you're not looking at at the neighborhood around you and saying, oh, let's avoid that. Let's go 
10 miles away, 20 miles away to these more affluent uh, communities and market there. Like, what would you say to them uh, to encourage them that this is the better way, that this is more gospel centric? It's more what Christ would do. What would your encouragement be to those individuals? And, and maybe, honestly, other superintendents, uh, school leaders, I'm sure you already have those conversations telling the Phoenix Christian story, but uh, I, I can't help but believe since there's so many schools that are still where they're, they're primarily focused on, again, what would be a traditional private education um, and, and who they're going after, that they, they, they might be afraid of going this route. Yeah, you bet. The one, there's a little book. I think it was written. Um, I think it was written in the early 1990s by a fellow by the name of Robert Lupton. And Robert Lupton was a was a gentleman um, that introduced for me for the first time. It's simple, and but for me it was profound. I had never been taught this. Coming out of college and pursuing for for young people, for for business leaders, for any kind of leader, there's this you're drawn to the siren call of upward mobility. Right. Yeah. Robert Lupton wrote this little book. Um, I don't even remember the title of it, but it was something along the lines of the pursuit of downward mobility. And there's a there's a particular chapter in that book that I swear is literally on my mind, if not once a week, it's every couple of weeks. Um, it's called Theirs is the Kingdom is the name of the book. And um, obviously taken from Christ and the Beatitudes. And I'd love to comment on that, too, in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea would be. Christ calls us to be people of downward mobility, um, to unshackle ourselves from the, the race of what society says defines success. And in that particular chapter on mindful of, they, he, had, he was wrestling with where to live. He had determined that he was going to move and start a church in the heart of inner city Chicago. And he, in one little chapter of that book, tells a story of moving into the neighborhood and there was a particular scene where the, there was an older gentleman across the street that was largely spent most of his time on the couch, um, just kind of giving up on life. And his front yard was a collection of everything that he had ever collected, ever. And he would come out and peer out the window and watch this family moving in across the street and begin to freshen up their home and do new things to it. And then pretty soon over time, the older gentleman would come out and ask about this and start to give advice on what could happen. And then pretty soon they looked out in his yard one day and there he is out working in his yard and cleaning it up. And the author pauses in the middle of this narrative and starts sharing that passage that Luke quotes in the book of Acts that in the last days, your old men will dream dreams. And that to me is one of the most inspiring images of what's happened, what, what the art of the possible when when Christians live counterculture and move into dimensions and sections of our community that others have walked away from. Phoenix Christian has had several opportunities to leave the heart of the city. Um, You know, in the heart of Phoenix, I think we're all aware that property value is exploding. It would be lucrative. Uh, We, you know, 20 acres, there's a lot of opportunity there. Every time we have even sort of entertained that thought, the Lord slams that door shut very hard, very quickly, very clearly. Um, but it is, I, I always wonder if that if that that pass. I always think about that passage of your the old men will dream dreams of when you remain committed to where everybody else sort of walks away and leaves communities behind, and that as Christians we rush in. And Jesus lived counterculture. He lived sort of in his own way, downwardly mobile, and that's a way for us to live out our worship on environments like that you guys are champions of and that we're salt and light in the heart of our city and we run to it. You know, my student, my son, uh, Landon, is on a, is in the CCB Stars, which is at Phoenix Christian, by the way, uh, on their soccer team and their soccer coach is a really neat Christian man and he, he, the name of the team is the Bisons. And I said, what in the world do you name a soccer team for the Bisons? I actually went up to the coach and asked him and he says, here's the deal. Bisons, when there's a storm brewing out on the out, out on the prairie, they would run toward the storm because that was the quickest way through it. And my son Landon kind of gets this concept. He goes, "Dad, we run into we run into the storm. We got this." And oh, that's great. That's wow. a little bit of life in the heart of the city. Um, and you, you run you run to the brokenness that's around us. And 
I don't ever, I think my fear is when I speak like that, I don't ever want to be critical of the inner city. It is a beautiful, beautiful place. Um, and so I, I think I, I'm careful that I never want to create any kind of hint that I'm criticizing it. It's, mm -hmm. it's just a, un, it's a unique approach to opportunity for ministry. Maybe I'll leave it at that. So I would encourage them, stick with it, um, be counterculture, downwardly mobile is, is a concept that's driven my life. Yeah. Good. yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. I feel like we're asking some tough questions here, but <laughs> yeah, we gave him none of these prior to, so, <laughs> which is, we, you're not the only one. We do that to all of our guests. We just slam them. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> That's how we are. But, uh, till we, we, we were trying to get our wives on this thing and they won't do it. No way. Unless we write out questions. So, so they're, they're smart. We decide we're just going to, we're going to write questions. We're going to give it to them. And, and then, then we're not even going to ask those questions. So, so are, they, are, they, are they listening to this right now? Yeah, oh. no. I don't know. Does your wife listen? Yeah. Does she? Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah. Uh, Probably not now. I was joking, Nicole. <laughs> just a joke. Uh -huh. uh, yeah. Well, I, I think we got to close it up. But one, one thing I, I definitely want to say is um, the fingerprints of God are all over what's going on at Phoenix Christian. And... Um, that's why we were drawn to it. It was such a tough decision uh, for my family. I don't even, I don't know if I've even gone into detail with you, but we love the school that they came from, Garfield Elementary downtown. We love the staff. We love the leadership there. Um, it, it was a massive decision. Yeah. Um, and that's not even talking about the struggle that it was with our kids who had been going there for several years and, and built friendships there. And so, but when, when you see God moving with a specific school, even it's, it's hard not to be drawn to it. It's hard not to, to block out everything else and say, you know what, this is, if, if we wanted our kids to grow up in an environment where not everybody looked the same, and there's even some kids, you know, that have foul language, you know, and, and those things, so they could really experience also, you know, what God's pursuing, what he's going after, the hearts he's looking to transform. Um, you know, it, for us, it was just an, uh, a no-brainer uh, for us to do that. Um, we couldn't have gone to some of the other schools that, that we've discussed, um, no matter what the situation. And uh, we're just, I'm so thankful. And in hearing what you're saying and knowing that you're being honest about it, Jeff, I think it is key because there's not too many people that are fully dependent on God. And, and they say they do. They say they trust in God. They believe in him, all those things. Uh, but it's not evident in their life. And I've, again, we've been at that board meeting. We've seen it uh, just in the way that you just, I just went on a youth camp trip. <laughs> <laughs> To be honest, might be my last one. I don't think I'm cut out for it, but these nine kids, like it started off, I was like, oh my goodness, like what are the repercussions if I raise my hand? Like it was that bad. And wow. by the end of it, I just was like, again, it's just, you got to put a different lens on and you're just like, oh my goodness, these kids, like yeah, they're going to this school. They're going to be transformed. They're going to be directed by God in their lives and they're going to, going to go out and make a difference. And so I did have one more question. One sure. more. Okay. I've got one too. Uh, you so. do? Okay. Yeah, we're good. We got, Very good. We got time. Okay. So uh, we had a speaker uh, that was just a couple weeks ago that really is in tune with this next generation, Gen Z. Um, and he brought up some things. It blew my mind. Uh, and maybe you've seen this, especially on your campus. But he talked about how this next generation is a generation of action. They're yeah. tired of the words. They're tired of all the talking and people taking sides and just going off and shooting yeah. their mouth and things like that. They're, they're about action. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Yeah. And I, I'm still, I mean, we're a couple of weeks removed from that conversation and I'm still blown sure. away by it and yeah. it's having effects in my life. And now I'm looking at young people and I'm like, oh my goodness, are you going to be the one that calls me out and says, stop being a bunch of hot air and actually do something? Um, but are you seeing that on your campus? Do you see people, maybe it's just individuals that you're like, oh, they're not going to be satisfied with talking. They're going to do. Yeah, you do. And part of the, part of the challenge is providing them a healthy 
outlet and vehicle on what to do. So take, for example, there was a young man, really gifted um, Christian young man. I can't remember. Were you, were you at when we had Monty Williams? Did you guys come to that? We had Monty Williams, the head coach of the Phoenix Suns. Um, I, re I remember we, I was unable to make it for some reason. I remember talking to you about it. So we had Adrian. He was a guest speaker, one of our students there. And if Adrian, you're listening, we love you. Um, Adrian felt very strongly um, that the masks were a very unhealthy uh, mandate upon our students. And he he bucked the, the policy and was really very vocal about it, protested about it. And I think when you share that illustration of a young person wanting to take action that that's that was adrian and that is adrian and that's a one of the things that i've learned particularly with with young people um particularly with students that are leaders who are young people and often the leaders are the kids that are disruptive in the classroom sure. and it's helping them know that god has given them a gift of leadership and then what to do with it and the school is ideally a safe place for kids to fail and succeed, but I'm going to begin with fail because kids that have the gift of leadership bump into other kids with that gift, and it gets messy. And they do; they want to they want to make change and, and and change the world. And I'm going to protest this, and I'm going to do that. And and part of the gift for us as Christian leaders uh, is providing them a healthy outlet and focus and focus for it. So I I do affirm that, and a lot of times they'll. Certainly, they're going to communicate their perspectives in social media, but they're also going to communicate it through bold action. And in, in Adrian's case, was refusing to wear the mask. And yeah. then the school's like, "All right, we got this really healthy problem of this really good kid yeah. not wanting to wear a mask, and yet we've, we're living in COVID, and I want families to still keep coming to school and not feel unsafe. Yeah. What do we do with it?" And so, even though it was a bumpy, awkward, difficult situation for Adrian and his parents, and myself, and the principal. Um, at the end of the day, that was another good illustration of hidden curriculum of him watching me as a leader, the principal as a leader, his parents as leaders, and trying to figure the dilemma out in a way that honors Christ and we affirm his desire to be a change agent. And I think we found that's it, good. believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. good. Through the mess, there's a hidden curriculum, and we forget that as educators sometimes because you just want to clean it up. Give them the consequence and move on. And, yeah. But there's this organic process of kids making mistakes, and you got to help them. Yep. Yeah. Good. Thanks. That's good. That's awesome. I don't know if I want to ask my question anymore. No, <laughs> I'm gonna ask it. Um, so, so, whoops. Couple, couple weeks ago, we did a, an episode where we just talked about pushing through, pushing through the challenges, pushing through hard times, and and what that looks like, and how you know, as leaders, it seems like there's just sometimes it feels like it never stops, right? The saying is when it rains, it pours. And, and obviously you're, you're busy. You've got a lot going on. You've got a lot of, a lot of things to, to do to take care of, of the school, but even your family, you're, you've got a growing family. You've got, you like you said, kids in sports and just all this going on. Um, one thing we never want to leave our listeners without is, is how do you as a leader um, of your family and of, of the school, how do you recharge and refuel um, and rest? Like what, what does that look like in your life? And, and how could you, you know, sum that up in, in a couple minutes? I'm not good. Do you at rest? It. I'm not good at it. Yeah, I was going to say one day we're going to have somebody that's like, I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, let me celebrate um, the late, great Dallas Willard. Um, Dallas was one of my professors. Oh, wow. Um, and Dallas was the first person to introduce me to the idea of spiritual discipline. So I know academically in my head what should always happen. Do I always do it? No. But one of the convictions, um, even as reading Dallas two days ago, um, he was making a point of there's some Christians who are really good at articulating all the truths. And there are other Christians, you just know they do it. And that's obviously I would aspire to be that person. I am not good at it. But the spiritual disciplines of if the Lord has given us work to do, he will give us the time to do it. So 
one simple spiritual discipline for my wife and I is we do not talk about work on Saturday. And then you do your best on Sunday to go to church, worship, and then not do work. Mm-hmm. Um, that's hard. And I'm not good at it. Um, I'll speak. I know you, both of you guys have been involved in youth ministry. Um, one of the disciplines when I worked in the church, there was a little bit more flexibility when I worked in the church. I would, And I'd encourage people, I don't do it as much as I should, but to check myself into a retreat center, a spiritual retreat center, and embrace the spiritual discipline of solitude. And what I found on the one or two times where you spend two or three nights, the discipline of that first 24 to 48 hours, almost before it's time to leave and go home, Dallas Willard would often teach that it's a bit like the race cars we had as children. You pull it back and you let it loose and the wheels run and the, the car races across the floor that it takes about 24 to 36 hours to lift the back wheels of that car up and let your mind stop. Oh. Yeah, so yeah. That, this just the spiritual discipline of being a human being instead of a human doer. And for me as a leader, I think the hardest thing is when you're a leader, there's a part of you, there's a huge part of you, there's a huge part of me that wants to please people, that wants to please my board of trustees that wants to please the constituency. I want to see the school grow. I want to see the bank account healthy. I want to see the admissions office busy. Um, If I could draw in Henry Nouwen, has been huge for me. Nouwen's reminder that when our Lord was um, baptized and he came out of the water and we were, were led into this very private conversation between his dad and his child, and God said to Jesus, this is my son, I love him tons. Jesus then went into um, the desert to be tempted. And here, turn these stones into bread, throw yourself off this cliff, watch the angels come grab you. You could be the most powerful guy. So this, I, this, this temptation to be relevant, hey, I can do that. Or this temptation to be spectacular, watch the angels grab him when he throws himself off the edge of the building. The temptation to be powerful, Jesus was saying, as Nowen would encourage us, those, those three elements do not define Jesus. What defined Jesus was back in Matthew 3, what defined him was his father's love. This is my son, I love him. That's what yeah. defined Jesus. And when the days are happening, when it is hard, it is hard every day, and people are mad at you every day for something, to, to embrace that, those moments of pain and say, those moments, this, this human affirmation doesn't define me. And that's a daily decision and a daily journey and a daily growth opportunity. Those don't define me. What defines me is my father's love. And you learn to walk a little bit more each day in solidarity with Jesus. That's good. It's good. Well, uh, I definitely want to say, especially as we're closing, um, if you're a parent out there, and you're looking at schools for the upcoming year, please consider this school. Just take a tour, just like Caleb and his family did today. Um, it's going to be worth your while for sure. Um, if you, whether it's at a public school or homeschool, or you're coming from out of state, there's all different reasons. But just check it out. Uh, if you're a business, if 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 you're another operation that is looking to sow good seed in fertile ground, please please consider Phoenix Christian. Um, I, I believe it's well worth it. There's a podcast, another one, uh, the beacon, um, a radio show that comes on Sunday mornings on the Patriot. Um, please check that out too. You have some amazing guests that are on that. Um, but we're, we're so thankful. We really are, uh, in more ways than just you coming on this podcast, Jeff, like just the investment you're making in young people. Uh, you're very smart. You have a high acumen and you're investing in kids like all the time. And that means a lot to us. And, um, we just, we're thankful for you. Yeah. Yeah, man. Thanks for taking the time. I know life is full and and you've got a lot going on and, and we're grateful that you came and joined us today. And, and I, I know as always, I'm walking away encouraged. And I think every time I'm with you, um, whether it's at the school or whether the times we've been on your, your radio show, like I'm always encouraged by just your passion and pursuit of God's kids and and creating an environment where they encounter him um through however whatever means it is right whether it's through a chapel whether it's through their connection with you walking the the halls of the campus and so 
thank you for that. And thank you for, for being bold, um, to, to go into this neighborhood, into this community where, um, like you said, you guys have had plenty of opportunities to leave, but God says stay and, and you you're staying, you're faithful to that. So thank you. Thank you for that. Well, I want to thank you both in aim, right? Unite Phoenix, honestly, on a very personal level, knowing that you're responding. I think of, I think of the spirit being poured out at Pentecost and you guys are streams of that, of that water and that living water alive and well in our community. Those are personal encouragements to me. Um, and, and men responding to the call of our savior to be, to be world changers. And so you all are a personal encouragement to me. And I want you to, know, I want you to, I'm, I'm grateful for the kind things you say about the school. Yeah. It's the Lord's school. And, um, certainly if you're interested in learning more, I'd be happy to give you a personal tour, visit phoenixchristian.org. And I'd love to walk with you and help your young person launch life at Phoenix Christian. So again, thanks for this opportunity and we proud to celebrate. We'll connect this uh, broadcast on our social network as well. Awesome. Stephen, you want to close us out in prayer as we wrap it up here? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, Father, we just thank you, Lord. Um, I, I'm always humbled, Lord, when I hear just what you're doing, Lord, all over this city, Lord, and um, the people that you use, Lord, no matter what the background is, uh, no matter how many other priorities they have in life, Lord, your mission goes out. And, and it's amazing to see, especially in Jeff's life, how his will, his passions, Lord, are colliding with yours. And it's just such a beautiful thing to see. And um, we just speak blessings over that school, Lord. Continue uh, to, to allow that school to thrive, Lord, and, and that you would continue to be at the helm of it, Lord, even if it's a new direction or something else that you're looking at. Lord, I pray um, that Jeff and, and everyone else involved, uh, the amazing principal, principles that are there, the teachers, Lord, that they would just all, Lord, be in one accord, like Acts 2 talks about, Lord, um, with your Holy Spirit guiding them, Father, in these next steps. And we just love you. We thank you, Lord, and praise you for all that you're doing in our hearts and lives each and every day, all the things we see and the many, many things we don't. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, hey guys, thanks for joining us today on this episode with Jeff Blake. And, um, uh, if you enjoyed what you heard today, make sure to subscribe to our episode, uh, hit that five-star uh, review, uh, drop a couple lines, tell us what you think, um, and we will see you or we'll be joining you here in a couple weeks again. Have a great day.